0: Can we uh, thank Jared and the band for leading us in worship this morning? It has become uh, increasingly popular to have conversations about how the church may not be a safe space for people. And some of that is for good reason. Things that are taking place that are... Really in contradiction to who our God is and the way that our God sees people and would treat people. Those things are definitely present in many churches. However, for me, and throughout the history of my life, all 45 years, the church has served as an incredibly safe space for me. I've shared with our congregation multiple times. I grew up, my mom was sick with cancer. She passed away when I was 16. I had a dad who struggled with substance abuse. And I had a grandmother who was really faithful to make sure that I was in gatherings like this. Now, it wasn't always like this. I'll be transparent with you. For many of those beloved saints at my church when I was a child, if they knew that I was on stage in jeans and sneakers with drums, they would roll their eyes. They would have a really hard time with this life that I've chosen to live But I'm grateful for them, and I'm grateful for the fact that being bound to other believers does not necessarily mean that we function in the same way that every other believer has ever functioned. That that we see that this this kingdom that God has brought us to, the relationship that we have with God because of it, is unique in, in that He unites us in a way. Now, I did grow up in a church where we got together every Sunday, every Sunday night every Wednesday night. Anybody else feel that at your house when you were a child? Maybe not. Every Sunday, every Sunday night, every Wednesday night. Missing church was like missing school. You would ask if you could watch TV and they would say if you don't feel good enough to go to church you don't feel good enough to watch TV. It, it was a harsh, harsh home that, that we lived in. My grandmother wasn't really into me missing church very much. And I, there was an, I grew up in Eastlake Baptist Church. That was a place where churches, uh, other churches would come on mission trips during the summer. It would eventually merge with another church, Eastridge Baptist. And there was one gentleman who was part of both congregations. His name was Gordon Ratchford, and he would occasionally sing solos. And one of his solos was this song called Beulah Land. It, it was made pretty popular by a gentleman named Squire Parsons who was a baritone. Uh, and if I'm not mistaken, I may be speaking really weird words about music right now. But I mean, we've already had a weird voice show up out of the middle of nowhere this morning. So, <laughs> it's good. Jared, I've told you if you need BGVs, I'm available. But... Uh, the lyrics of it were: "I'm kind of homesick for a country to which I've never been before. No sad goodbyes will ever be spoken. For time won't matter anymore. Beulah Land, I'm longing for you, and on thee one day I'll stand, and my home shall be eternal, Beulah Land, sweet Beulah Land." And in the evangelical circles, which are what we're part of, that we were to understand that in line with and in light of what we have called and what we believe to be heaven. That's a pretty loaded world. It's one of those words that it's started to mean almost everything. We use it tritely. This ice cream tastes like heaven. We we use it... uh, improperly talking about existences beyond ours that are heaven. And for us, I don't want us to see, like in a world where we're talking about heaven and we're thinking about whenever you see it portrayed on television or in a movie, for whatever reason, boom, white light is everywhere. And then you hear voices like Gandalf or Dumbledore or Morgan Freeman And everybody is able to eat endless pizza and ice cream and still have abs. That when we're talking about heaven, we're not necessarily talking about a place. Heaven's not really about a place, it's about a person. Heaven is a a who. It's not about where we will go, but who we will be with. Now we're walking through the Lord's Prayer. Matthew chapter 6. I'm going to share this with you you this morning. I'm going to read it from the CSB. And then as our church quotes it each week at the end of the service, I'll, I'll reference it in the King James. The CSB reads this. You should pray like this. Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. Some of you have shared that there's a bit of a debate when it comes to the debts and trespasses. I know, you know, I'm a debt person and you can be wrong if you would like to be. But if we look at the notion of heaven. What does it mean for this passage to talk to us about the hope of heaven? For, for us to see that Jesus has just said to us, Our Father, and we shared last week that that's about the nearness of God and how God wants to be close to each and every one of us. That our Father in heaven... And the word heaven is doing a work that is really twofold in this passage. And we, most of the time, lean into uh, really the, the first that, that I'll mention. We think of the vastness. Like the idea that heaven is where people go when they die. And whenever we're considering heaven, it, it's functioning as a way to show us that our God is superior to all of the other gods of the world and all of the various rulers of the world. Our Father is in heaven. You can't top that if you're just the the king of Rome. Or if you're just a Pharaoh, or if you're just if you're whatever is in charge of Babel, Babylon. Our Father is in heaven. So it's showing us that our God is limitless. He's limitless in power. He's the God of the heavens and the earth. He's not in temples built by human hands. He is vast. He is supreme. He is majestic. He is magnificent. But I don't want you to hear this simply because we're using massive words to talk about the God that we meet in Scripture. I don't want you to ever believe that His design or desire is to be far away from us. Paul said He's not far from each one of us because in Him we live and we move and we have our being. As a matter of fact, we are His offspring, Paul says, according to some of your poets. It is a result of the fall that whenever we think about heaven we think of it as far away as removed from us as if it's something that we cannot even grasp or comprehend so go with me to the creation account in the beginning in the beginning god created the what heavens and the earth wasn't a trick question, friends. This is when we in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, which makes us think, "Whoa!" So God set everything into motion. The world has spun; it's right there. He's got to be far from it. In Genesis chapter three, it says about the God who made the heavens and the earth that He went to spend time with Adam and Eve. The man and his wife, they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze. So obviously they're not here in southeast Houston. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. They heard the sound of the Lord. Whatever form God took to make himself present here, it allowed for a physical production of sound. His walk was audible. He was making noise. Jesus, when he says, our Father in heaven, is intentionally pointing to us the nearness of God. The vast, magnificent, superior, supreme God of the universe desires to be near to us think about these two words one is the word imminent and ever thought about this word another is the word Emmanuel those words come from the, from the same root they, have the, they, they are derived from the same thing and they have similar meanings imminent means to remain or, or to dwell that's the, the general sense Emmanuel means God with us They share a common root. One is the specified form of the other. So when Jesus says God is in the heavens, one commentator says, he doesn't mean that God is far away and distant from us. He means that God is literally the opposite of that. That God is near because he is in heaven, he is near. If we use the theological language, we would say that this God, he is... Present, he wants to remain with us. He is right here with us because he is our Emmanuel. Let me think of it like this. So when we have certain words, imminent, if it is if imminent is the general word, it's cola. Emmanuel, Coca-Cola. We know exactly what that is. Dr. Pepper. I know where I'm at. Emmanuel is when you go to the grocery store and you get chicken nuggets. Rather, imminent is when you get chicken nuggets. Emmanuel is a McNugget. We know exactly what that is. When you're reading through this text and we're considering what it means to be God with us, he doesn't just want us to see him as distant. He wants to see that we're near to him. That God is close to you. He's close to the brokenhearted. That he cares for us. So when we're talking about heaven, we're having a conversation about a who. Well, who is it? John 14 Don't let your heart be troubled Trust in God, trust also in me In my Father's house are many rooms If it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again And I will take you somewhere so this is the language of, of place. It's, it's where we've had this conversation about mansions for much of uh, current Christendom. And by say current, I mean since the 1900s. All of us believe that we're going to get a mansion. And just to be truthful with you, if you're worried about the size of your eternal mansion, you may not be getting one. It's contradictory to the whole thing. I go to prepare a place for you, Jesus says he doesn't say I'm going to take you to that place the very next I will come again and I will take you to myself I will bring you to myself considering and wrestling with the idea of the witness of God is knowing and acknowledging that being with Jesus is giving us a glimpse of heaven in this world Max Lucado says this, heaven is not a distant place. It is wherever Jesus is. Elise Fitzpatrick says this, because we were made for him, any place where Jesus is not will never satisfy us. Is that true? Of your soul, is that true? Most of us are satisfied to get God's stuff, even if it means we don't get God one of my favorite pastors says this the critical question for our generation and for every generation so he's got his generation and mine covered is this if you could have heaven with no sickness and with all the friends you've ever had on earth and all the food you ever liked and all the leisure activities you ever enjoyed and all the natural beauties you have ever saw and all the physical pleasures you've ever tasted and no human conflict or any natural disasters could you be satisfied with that heaven if Jesus Christ were not there? Because regardless of the picture that we paint and how beautiful something seems to be, miraculous, overwhelming, if Jesus is not there, there is a word for the absence of Jesus. It's hell. To be absent from Jesus is to be in a place that is close to hell or eternally in hell. We are people who are called to be made, to see that God has made us right in Jesus. That his nearness to us is because of Jesus. And that our eternal place in the heavens will be with Jesus. That we are Jesus people... This should not confound or confuse us. This is not a compound idea. We believers in God through the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus, that's where our hope is. Jared picked a whole song set about it this morning. Every song that we've sang is about us being united with Jesus because Jesus is our hope. Now, we can have conversations about heaven and, and in the sense of where do my loved ones go when they pass away. But for the, our purposes here, we see that that is them being with Jesus. That there is a nearness that God has provided for us in Jesus. Because Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. If you know me, you will know my Father. From now on, you do know Him and you have seen Him. Jesus is showing us the unique interconnection between God the Father, God the Spirit. So if heaven, and we're looking at this idea, it means the nearness of God, what is it not? Or what are we looking at eternally? Heaven and the eternal hope of it is that we will be with Jesus without the impact of sin. Heaven is to be with Jesus without the impact of sin. A couple of conversations that are taking place. The The only entity currently that uses the word impact positively is the church. Which isn't great. When we're talking about meteors, meteors have impact. Sin has made an impact on us. Well, what is it? Now, as I work hard to diversify my words in here, I don't have a lot to work with, so I use some Googling. But there are some certain words that I will use to describe the, the nature of sin, the, the, the influence of sin, the impact of sin. I will use the word invade. Sometimes that Sin is invasive. I will also say that sin infests. That sin infects. All of these are words that are at play. And what they are doing is they are... When we're talking about sin, we are talking about something that is going to say to the heart of a human being that you have to be far away from God. On twofolds. One is in the sense of if you... In the total sense of what sin is. When we look at it and we wrestle with it, sin is part of the fact that the world is broke. The world is broken because of sin. And regularly we are reminded through the limitations of earthly life, through sicknesses that we will have, that we had nothing to do, we didn't choose to have, that sin has invaded, infested and infected the world. Simultaneously, sin functions in a way where we look at it and we see that we sin. Now, we should not call, when we look at our personal sin, we should have the same disdain for it that we do for the fact that the world is broken. That sin is invading, infesting, and infecting the world. None of those words are good, but all of those things are things that we look away from. When we're watching the news about a war taking place somewhere in the world and they show the devastation of it, something in our hearts caused us not to want to watch that. We want to turn away. When you think about a home that has an infestation of bugs, you don't want to look at that because it's grotesque. When I showed up this morning and there was a dead bird on the sidewalk and I had to clean it up because Jared wasn't here yet. There's infection that's there. Whenever we look at what sin does, it's done these things to us. And all the while, while these things are taking place in us, it causes us to see and think that God is far from us. Now, if you are not a believer, sin has provided a wall where you are far from God. All the while, God reaching over, seeking to call you to Himself. And if you are a believer in Jesus, you are... At times made to think that you were alone in the face of difficulty and hardship while Jesus says to you, absolutely not. I've not left you. That I'm with you. That I'm not abandoning you. All of those words are turn-away words. It's worse than we realize because sin causes humanity to be far from God. It causes the believer to think that he or she is far from God. It causes us to miss Jesus. Jesus. You see that at play when we look at Hebrews chapter 12 where it says this, For you have not come, this is, this is God talking, You have not come to what could be touched, for, to a blazing fire, to darkness, to gloom, and to storm. None of those are great uh, positive words to think about in light of our own human condition. You've not come to what can be touched, to a blazing fire, to darkness, gloom, and storm to the blast of the trumpet and to the sound of words. Those who heard it begged that not another word be spoken to them. This is referencing the judgment of God because of the sin separation that takes place. But this isn't talking to non-believing people. This is talking to the believers and those who have been invited to believe. For they could not bear what was commanded. If even an animal touched the mountain, it must be stoned. The appearance was so terrifying that Moses said, I'm trembling in fear. That's not what we're talking about when Jesus is our Father in heaven. Though that's the judgment that we all deserve. That's not what's being said. We're being told that that God who holds that power wants to be near to each and every one of us. Because sin brings darkness, gloom, and storm upon us. It causes the near judgment of God to ultimately cast us all far away. It causes us to tremble in fear. But what are we finding when we consider this? This is what it says about believing people in the Scriptures. And I like to believe the Scriptures to be true because they are. They are truer than I even realize. You have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God. You have come to the heavenly Jerusalem. You have come to myriads of angels, to a festive gathering. Festive's good? To the assembly of the firstborn, whose names have been written in heaven. To a judge who is God of all, to the spirits of righteous people made perfect. And you have come to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood which says a better word than the blood of Abel. We've been invited to walk with God. To know God. Heaven is full uh, of the eternal, in the eternal sense. Heaven is the full presence of God's goodness without being separated from God in any way, shape, or form due to the sin that's within us. That's why we long for it. For this world to be void of what sin is. Because God does not stop being vast. God is supreme. God is majestic. He is magnificent. And we are uncompromised in experiencing those things. When we are with Him in eternity. But we can long for that now. Because the hope of heaven is God with us. Howard Thurman said of the theology of the slave spirituals. As you consider, if you've studied much of African American history, many of the songs were about heaven. and About the hope beyond the suffering and the, and the difficulties and the hardship of this world. And he says the spirituals affirmed that the struggles on earth were not the end of the story that there was a heavenly promise of justice and peace, that God would make things right. So church family, as we consider what it means to wrestle with heaven, know heaven, think about heaven, and to consider what it means for us to be living in light of the kingdom of God, would you see, would we acknowledge, would we know and trust that God with us means our Father in heaven, He's close to us. He's close to us. And he wants us to know that and walk in line. And in response to that, is this what we think about? Or if, is heaven something that's really far away? A far away heaven doesn't seem to be the notion of what God's saying when he talks about being with us. Let's be a with people. I want to pray for us this morning. God displays and he he declares his closeness in Emmanuel, God with us. He says that to us. The action step of him showing how close he would be to us. Was when this God who is vast and powerful and majestic and supreme. When this God took human suffering upon himself. Taking the form of a man. Being punished for sin. Not his but ours. So that we could know that God is near to us. So as a church family each week we, we take of the cup. And we drink. Or we take of the cup and we eat the bread and we are reminded of the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus where God dealt with sin intentionally, taking our condemnation upon himself, taking our judgment, offering his righteousness in exchange. So if you're in this space this morning and you have never trusted in Jesus, just quite bluntly, please don't take of the cup or eat of the bread but if you would like to talk about what it means for you to place your faith in Jesus Jesus who took your judgment so that you could be near to God I'm in the back right hand corner of the room I'd love to chat with you about that and why that matters for your now but for your eternity and how those things are not divorced from one another if you're a believer that is here Don't take lightly that God has done a work so that you could be with Him and that He could be with you. Before you take of the cup or eat of the bread, would you just wrestle with the Lord as to the things in your life life, that need to be made more like Jesus? Father, I thank You for these people. I thank You for the hope of heaven. I thank You that You've offered to be near us. That we are a people who can cry out, Abba, Father. That we are a people who can know that you are a God who loves us and is for us, Father. I thank you that the doom and the gloom of this passage in Hebrews, Lord, those are not. That is not for your people, though we deserve it. But God, we have been invited to a festive gathering the heavenly city, the holy Jerusalem where we were with Jesus, our mediator. So in this life, would we not lose sight of the fact that you promised to be with us as we go to battle with sin until the day that you eradicate it completely from this world. We ask all this in your powerful name, Lord Christ.